When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson, and this episode is brought to you by Live Casino. And as we always do, take a step back, take a little more of the emotion out of it, watch the game a second time, do more studying around the web for some numbers and indicators of things we saw. And that is uh, what we're doing now. We got a lot of really good feedback from you guys from the one I recorded last night. That one had a little bit of a... uh, frustrated feel to it i would say and <laughs> warranted folks football season is here and live casino is where FanDuel sportsbook america's number one sporting app comes to life step up and place your bets as our self-service kiosks or with a sportsbook representative then cheer on your team and catch every heart-pounding moment of action on our huge 40-foot video wall bet watch and win at live casino pittsburgh Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So let's start with some things I found from around the web. And then I'm going to do more stock up, stock down players. So I found this stuff on NFL.com with their next generation stats. And you can go look at every game and they highlight some things. They do good work. Um, Here's a, a positive. Kenny Pickett was the Steelers' fastest ball carrier, which you'd be like, well, that's not good. I mean, shouldn't Deontay and Claypool and those guys run faster than your quarterback? He was also faster than any Eagle player, including A.J. Brown and Miles Sanders. Um, He reached over 20 miles an hour at one point in this game. Like, I know Kenny's a good runner. Everyone knows the fake slide nonsense, and he can extend plays. He's faster than you think. I mean, just straight line when he tucks it and goes, he accelerates pretty well. And his top end speed is better than I thought. And I don't love the mile per hour tracker stuff. I still think there's a little bit of work to be done for it. But if he's approaching 20 and is over 20 there, that's flying. I mean, that is fast for what we don't consider or widely consider as a super athletic quarterback. So, There's two areas of the field I really wanted to look at with Kenny in this game, too, and and see what his success rate was and all those good things. First of all, it was between the numbers. You know, what did he do between the numbers? Because we know those corners for the Eagles, we previewed this last week, are really good players, and that showed up again. They had to attack the middle of the field. Well, he threw 12 passes there in the middle of the field. Again, between the numbers. 12 passes, completed eight of them but only for 61 yards. Like this has been a trend in the middle of the field is he's pretty good at it in terms of completing passes. And you got to remember, there's a lot more bodies in the middle of the field, Um, but they're not producing a lot of yardage in the middle of the field. So that's a good thing over the, uh, the buy here for me to look at a little bit or better yet for them to look at and say, 
he's doing okay there. How can we produce more yardage in the middle of the field and probably more volume as well? I don't think I've had this conversation with you, and it's something I very much believe in. Like, I feel when you're looking from a vertical standpoint, not, you know, horizontal field, you know, outside the numbers versus numbers, et cetera, the hardest place to be a successful quarterback in the league, you would think, is deep down the field. It really isn't. It's really between the 10 and 20 yards down the field area. And I'm not picking on Roethlisberger, but there were like no passes in that area last year. I mean, everything was ahead of 10 yards, you know, earlier from line of scrimmage or behind the line of scrimmage up to 10 yards. But between 10 and 20 is really the most difficult place to have success. And if you look historically or probably this year as well, who are the best passers in the league between 10 and 20 yards down the field? It's Mahomes, it's Allen, it's MVP Rodgers. You know, like there's a lot of bodies there. A lot of bad things can happen. Tip balls. You can't, you got to throw with power and anticipation, but you often have to throw the ball over a linebacker's head. It's not a get it out of your hands right now throw. If you just think about what's asked to complete a route between 10 and 20 yards, You know, some of the long balls, you can just chuck them up in one-on-one situations. You don't even have to have a big arm. But to consistently succeed between like 10 and 20 yards is difficult. It is is really the most difficult thing in terms of passing in this league. Well, in this game was really bad for Kenny. He was 2 of 10 in that area of the field for only 46 yards. And of course, your yardage is going to be good. I mean, it's at least a 10-yard catch. Only 2 of 10 in that neck of the woods, though. So I'm going to keep paying more and more attention to what he does between 10 and 20 yards. I'll keep you guys updated. Now, again, I'm stealing these stuff from the next generation you know, uh, input. If you look at Najee's run chart, he had success in one spot, and that was running behind James Daniels. You know, every, And I'm not blaming even the rest of the line. I mean, we talked quite a bit about Harris in the – Running game as a whole yesterday versus Warren. But I did see, I mean, it was glaring when you look at his run chart. There's one spot that he got any yardage, and that's right behind James Daniels. Just thought that was interesting. Now, I've never really paid much attention to this number from Next Gen Stats. But they have a a spider graph of all the receivers, basically the top receivers in the game, what their separation was. And that's their average separation throughout the day. And I found it very interesting. First of all, George Pickens was really bad. He was at 0.8 yard separation on average throughout the day, often against Slay, Bradbury. I think this is going to be a very much a learning moment for Pickens. Um, This is what big time corners are like, and they're going to start treating me like a number one. I know there was a lot of talk of, Canada stinks, didn't get the ball to Pickens, that's malpractice. I get all that. He's a phenomenal talent. And frankly, one day I think he may be an A.J. Brown level type guy, game impact player. We just saw what that's like. But this was a learning experience and he wasn't open very much. Um, Sims was at 1.32. Claypool was at 1.9. Bigger the number, the better, of course. Friar Moose was was at 3.33. That's huge. I mean, average separation with more than three yards, phenomenal. And I know you guys are rough on Deontay Johnson, 
And I can't wait to watch the All-22 to see if this jives. But he was at 3.67 of average separation, which I'm sure there's two or three plays that skew that where there's a blown coverage and you're 20 yards open. So I do want to watch the All-22 to see if that passes a sniff test down after down. But I've been telling you for a long time, Deontay gets separation, particularly against man coverage. And those are not traits in this league that are (laughs) very common. Um, We've talked a lot about first down run versus pass percentage, as well as early down success rate, first and second down. Um, Here's what the Eagles did. And clearly this was part of their game plan. So in the first 20 minutes, 28 minutes of play, they took the two minute out because it's two minute drills different. You're going to throw, you're going to throw, you're going to throw. So when you're still game planning, the game was close. First 28 minutes of the game, early downs, first and second down. The Eagles ran 16 pass plays against three runs. And they're one of the best running teams in the league. They, that's clearly what they did all week. You know, they game planned to do that. And it was very successful. So I would expect the next opponent's going to do the same until you can get them out of it. So found that interesting. Um, so yet another thing that's could be problematic for this team. So early down success rate was very good for the Eagles and it was almost all pass. Uh, I'll be back in a minute here. I got a, uh, a, you know, group here of stock ups. I got some more stock downs and we'll see where that takes us. All right, some dudes, of course you can look at this game and be like, Steelers were terrible, There's nobody played well, blah, 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 blah. I don't believe that. You know, I mean, especially on second glimpse, you start watching individual performances as assistant coaches do, and they grade their players, and you know, maybe played one bad snap, and everyone remembers that, yada, yada. I thought Sutton played a, a high-quality game. Like, I don't look at Sutton as part of the problem, even in the passing game. I think he's more of the solution. Is he anything resembling a number one corner? No, they don't have one on this roster. But Sutton can be on my team and be in my 11 on the field any day of the week. I am a fan. Um, I thought he played a, a high-quality game. So did Devin Bush. I, I thought Devin Bush stuck with... Goddard, Sanders, crossing routes. He's improving. You know, maybe this bye week's a good time. I'm definitely going to do at least one show of kind of an off-season preview. And I don't know what I would pay Bush, but I wouldn't just kick him out the door and say, you stink, you were a bust. He's getting better. He's getting exposed much, much less. So he's trending the right direction. I mean, I know he's not lighting up Sports Center highlights. But people have picked on him, and he's now responding in a positive manner. I think the, the same is true for Millette. I thought he played a high-quality game. He doesn't have a very high ceiling, but he can be on my team as well. I mean, as my fourth corner situational slot. You know, Sutton is a better cover guy in the slot. But I think Millette played another 
decent game here. You know, my, he was not a, a major liability. Um, Cam Hayward didn't show up to me as much as I had expected on first glimpse, but the more I watched him, and of course he was getting doubled a ton, he was a force. I mean, he was high quality performance. Not, in, I mean, as, as as across the defense, not enough splash that we're accustomed to and need from him, but he certainly is not the problem. I don't look at him and say he's cooked, you know, cap casualty, of course, none of that type of stuff. He was very good in this game, um, as usual. I thought Reed played a better game. I mean, he was kind of disappointing. Um, tough matchups against great tackles. Made plays, starting to show up more. I like that. Um, I killed the left side of the Steelers' O-line yesterday. And on second view, I thought Dotson played better than I thought. I, I thought that he was not terrible. I originally thought, man, he was really bad. But he was... Average, you know, where I just wanted to call him out because I was rough on him yesterday. I think he was better than I initially thought. One of my new faves is Boykin, especially as a special teamer. He's a really good gunner, tackler, has reinvented himself. He's been a nice pickup. I just want to call that a part out. Um, I'm going to stock up Pickett as a leader. I really liked his press conference. He's being thrust into a leadership role way too early. I mean, Ben wasn't asked to do these things and carry the weight of the offense, you know, in terms of dealing with media, getting guys to work harder, all those things. He has enough on his plate, and it would be great if they had a Cam Hayward on that side of the ball. They don't. But him as a leader in a press conference and not just taking, you know, giving blame to others, but acknowledging that his teammates need to work harder and he needs to play better. I think that's a really good step in the right direction as the hopeful long-term leader of this team. And kind of mentioned, you know, his running 37 rush, rushing yards. And that's a stock up thing for me too. You know, if he can bring 20 plus yards or 18 plus yards on the ground throughout the game, one or two by design, mostly by scrambles, Hey, we haven't had that here in so long. That's a very valuable tool. And I know his turnover differential and all that stuff is bad right now. But he really didn't turn the ball over till this thing was out of reach. So I think there's something to be said for that. You know, that he did value the football well, didn't put it in harm's way for the majority of this game. Um, stock up Jalen Hurts. Wow. This guy... A year ago, one year ago, was swimming, you know, and uh, they were they had to totally take the offense from a pass-heavy attack to a run-heavy attack. He is so comfortable now, handles the football well, great decisions, never turns it over. This triple option that they have is unbelievably difficult to play against. I, I, I you know, all my preseason stuff I do, I looked at Hertz and said. I really love the Eagles roster, but, you know, come playoff time, remember this was preseason, I don't think he can outduel Brady and Rodgers and Stafford in the NFC. He's a nightmare to play against. He's really gotten better. And I'm not saying he's Josh Allen, but some of these guys that are really talented takes a year or two, but they can take some huge strides, and he's a perfect example. Uh, I thought Dallas Goddard was phenomenal in this game. Obviously, A.J. Brown was even better than expected. And again, 
I think Pickens can turn into the, the uh, not the same style of receiver, but the force that A.J. Brown was. Uh, here's a little Hurts number two. Hurts' four touchdown passes traveled 19, 27, 29, and 39 yards past the line of scrimmage before reaching their target. He's only the fifth player since 2007 to have four touchdown passes that far downfield in the same game. Pretty remarkable. I mean, it's one of the things I like to do here is you got to call out the opponent. You got to give credit to the opponent. And I mentioned Hargrave, how good he looked on first blush. He was even better. Um, and this is a pro football focus stat, too, that he led all defensive players in this game with an absurd seven defensive stops. And I'm not exactly sure how they defend that. I think that's tackle for loss, sack, um, things like that. I mean, they're big plays. And he had seven as a defensive tackle and didn't even play you know, close to every snap. Uh, three were in the run game. Two were on screens. I mean, this defensive tackle slash nose is making splash plays on screen passes. And f- the final two were on sacks. But he totaled five pressures on 32 pass rushing snaps in what they called an unblockable performance. I mean, he was even better than I thought watching it live. Side note, and this might be a little tease for later in the week. Um, he's a free agent after the year. Hmm. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Stock down. Uh, I mentioned it earlier in the podcast. Pickens. Uh, I, he lost a lot of one-on-one matchups against their excellent outside corners. Okay, doesn't worry me one bit. He's super competitive. He's super talented. He got a lesson, you know, three steps forward, one step back. Okay, he'll be fine. But Slay's a stud. Bradbury's a really good player. I thought Gentry had a bad game. Didn't block great. He was out there for 29 snaps, which is a lot for him. I was hoping he'd bring a little more to the table. I mean, obviously, I understand he's not a great weapon. And he is what he is. I mean, I'm not going to throw Zach Gentry under the bus. But if you're out there for 29 snaps, I'd like a little more positive from you. Wasn't Chooks' best day either. Um, He was okay. I I don't have a lot of concerns with him. But we crushed the O-line yesterday. He was as much to blame as any. Um, Pickett mentioned he didn't turn the ball over. But the fumble in the pocket late was not great. And it kind of leads me to, I didn't love how he felt the rush and some of their stunts. It looked like he didn't see them coming at all or moving accordingly, you know, within the telephone booth that is the pocket. Again, it's just what, third or fourth career starts. I mean, but uh, these are just observations, you know. I mean, even in a mobile guy like Brady or Marino or Manning, you know, not that he's at that level of immobility, they see that big stunt coming from Reddick, and instead of getting drilled, you sidestep it a little bit. You know, like, didn't see that much yesterday, so he didn't help his protection either, I guess is my point, and he did have that fumble. This is scary, though. Um, just five yards per completion for Kenny yesterday, and only five completions over five yards. Five completions over five yards. Ooh, not all on him, but... Man, that's just far from being good enough. Some other guys I thought were not close to their best. Miles Jack thought he probably had his worst game as a Steeler. I'm not particularly worried, but this was bad. 
got manipulated a lot by that triple option. And that's a brutal situation and just called out Hertz for being a stud, but he had a tough day. Loudermilk basically started, you know, their four-man front now is three big guys with a Loudermilk type on the outside and Highsmith on the other side. I ain't getting it done anymore. You know, I mean, I don't think it's going to matter because Watt's going to be here for next game. But you can't look at this team necessarily as like a, a three, four, a five-man front type of thing. More often than not, it's a four-man front. But the D ends are Highsmith and Loudermilk, you know, and yeah, you know, that's just not great. I'm a Highsmith fan, but he's also on my stock down list here because they have elite offensive tackles. I mean, uh, they, Malata is a unbelievable talent that they have coached up to make one of the best left tackles in the league. Lane Johnson's been a stalwart with Kelsey for years for these guys. I think he's the best right tackle in football and maybe a Hall of Famer. And Highsmith showed me, not surprisingly, he's still Robin. He's not Batman. You know, I mean, when you put up one-on-one against great offensive tackles, he loses more than you would like. Doesn't mean he doesn't have value. He has extreme value. But, uh, you know, what I wrote here was stock down of Highsmith versus elite tackles. So be it. Spillane had a really tough time against Dallas Goddard, their tight end. Mentioned Goddard as a stock up tight guy as well. I've been rough on Spillane every step of the way. Goddard, to me, is right there with like a Friermuth in terms of uh, excellent young tight ends. A little further along than Friermuth. I'm not even saying it's better, but he ate Spillane up. Um, and then last nugget, and, and I'm going to do a little searching on this. Is he in the doghouse? Because KZ didn't return. But Trey Norwood still only played three defensive snaps in this game. Did he get hurt and I didn't know it? I mean, uh, so I just want to be aware of that. And maybe one of you guys could tweet me and know the answer. And I'm sure I'll find out in the next hour or two. But why is Norwood only playing three defensive snaps in this game? Not that he's a superstar, but and he hasn't had a rough game last week. But you would think he'd be more involved with being on the field. Uh, that I don't know. Maybe I'll go look at his special team snaps just to make sure it wasn't an injury. You find that out, I'm sure, soon. But bye weeks are hard to get some of that information. Everybody leaves the facility and, you know, there's no press conference, stuff like that. So there you have it. Um, got the trade deadline. You'll probably be, I'll call it today. I'm recording this Monday night. Uh, I don't expect the Steelers to do anything, but maybe there's something to react to. Maybe there's a coordinator change. Who knows? Uh, I would think in the next 24 hours, there'll be some news to react to. I'm also open to ideas for bi-week content. You know, what what is it you want to hear? What article should I write? Uh, let me know on that, at Williamson NFL. And I definitely am going to do a show this week about what to think about for this upcoming offseason. Needs, free agents to be, who should they you know, bring back, who they shouldn't. That's a wrap. We will see you. Bye.